Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Runswell Podcast with me, Rick Pearson. And me, Ben Hobson. Today we're talking with Olympic silver medalist, Laura Muir. Oh, high profile, oh. Ben. We're moving up in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a huge slam already on all previous guests, but um, yes, I completely agree. In Laura terms Muir, of, though, come on. She's, Laura like, Muir, she's just, she's got an Olympic medal. She's a national running hero. Yeah, she is. She's absolutely brilliant. It was lovely to talk to her too. Um... Not to say that all athletes are, are not lovely to talk to, but some are nicer than others and she's she's up there with the best. So yeah, it was great. Great, great podcast. Everyone should just keep listening. Get through this bit of me and Rick and you'll be, you'll be <laughs> yeah. all right. Come on, hang in there. It's just like, if we're talking about Laura Muir's 1500 meter, this is like the hard second or third lap, isn't it? Laura Muir's like, you're home straight and, you, and you've you've set a record, it's worth it. Um, Hey, we've got active weekends coming up, Ben, because we're actually recording this um the week before the podcast goes out. Thanks to the power of technology. Um, what are you doing? T- tell me what you tell me what you're up to. All right, uh, and I'm glad that you phrased it as an active weekend because mine isn't running. Um, but it's it's it. I have a a bike ride on Saturday, which is a predominantly. It's called North London Dirt. It's predominantly uh, off road, bridleway kind of gravel stuff up and around. Probably up towards like Welling Garden, Hertfordshire, that way back into London again. Um, that sounds a bit like London Stansted. Like you're not actually in London, are you? You're up in like Hitchin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically just an excuse to go and like get a bike very muddy and then have a beer at the end of it. Um, but it's all for charity. It's a, right. um, so it's uh, you know it has a nice plus to it. So it's uh, yeah, it's good. I'm looking forward to doing that. But you're doing actual running, so let's talk about what you're doing. Well, I'm doing a sort of version of running. I think it's going to be more hiking because I'm. Um, Oh, that's fine. My knee saga continues, but people have heard enough about that. Um, so going up and doing the Frog Graham round. So lots of our listeners will be familiar with the Bob Graham round, obviously one of the classic British fell running rounds. But there's a Frog Graham, which is a little more under the radar, and it's uh, it's about half the amount of running, with, um, but it's got swims in it as well. So I think there are five swims in total, um, and you you kind of you just swim across the lake, so you don't, you don't go around the lakes as you would do in in the bob i guess but you go you go across so me and two mates are going up to the lakes or um and yeah by the time this comes out we will hopefully have completed the frog i, I would like to caveat this by saying to do the frog official officially you have to do it under 24 hours similar to the bob graham um we're going to do it over three days so it's like more like no, it's like a sort of like <laughs> i'm not going to call it relaxing it's quite the caveat. It's quite a caveat. By the way, we're not adhering. We're not adhering to any of the rules. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so I, I can't official. I won't be like a, one of the official finishers. Um, but I will have done. Hopefully, done all the route. That's. I the, like it. That's the three end. days. Is, is that's the sort of challenge I like. You've taken <laughs> yeah. a, a proper challenge and then made it more normal by adding more time. Yeah, I like this. I, I like the idea of doing sort of the UTMB over like a fortnight. 
like it should be done. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I did like 10k yeah, a day. Yeah, if you, if, you suggested, if you suggested the like altitude gain and distance to anyone of like the UTMB, mm. they'd be like, oh, so a couple of weeks you do yeah, it? Yeah, busy yeah. couple of weeks, huh? Busy yeah, couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, yeah. No. Oh, so, right. yeah. Norm, like extra hard races made easy. Yeah. Rick and Ben. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, look, this has already descended into just like holiday chat, waffling holiday chat. So let's talk to Olympic silver medalist, Laura Muir. Let's do it. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Our guest this week is a Scottish middle distance runner who recently won silver in the 1500 metres at the Tokyo Olympics for Team GB. Her other achievements include British records for the 1500 metres and 1000 metres. We're delighted to have her on the podcast to talk about how hard work and self-belief have eventually led to glory. Laura, welcome to the Runners World podcast. Hey there, thank you. Thanks for having me. First of all, a ginormous congratulations on becoming a Olympic silver medalist. That's <laughs> hell of a thing. Hell of a thing. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Pretty tough with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, does it feel real now? Because I get every sort of post-race interview that you see, it's the the, the, the sort of like there's a real uh, immediacy to the the of what's just happened, and it's never sort of sunk quite in with people. Does it? Do you? Can you look back at it now, and is it f- like feel surreal or real, or you know, what's your your brain like with it now? Yeah, I think I've always said. I think everybody's asked me so far. I've always said it's really surreal, and I think I'm still I'm still saying it's quite surreal. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just because like when you work so hard for so long for something, and then all of a sudden you've got it, and you're like, oh. And it's just, yeah, it's very strange to like be there now. Like obviously it's great, but it's, um, yeah, it's still quite surreal. But uh, yeah, just so happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> can you, can you recall the race? I mean, you've probably seen it on TV now, but what was your, what was it like in, in real time when you're going into that final? Yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, I had to kind of think of it like, I couldn't think of it like an Olympic final. Cause I think if you start thinking like, oh, this is Olympic final, it'd be like, oh my God. So um, yeah, I just kind of thought of it like any other race and um, thought about things in my head that, you know, I wanted to do and you just had to be so sort of switched on and concentrating so hard. And um, yeah, I just could within like, yeah, under four minutes it was done and that was it. And it's just so, so strange when you cross the finish line and like, this momentous occasion that you've been waiting for, well, usually four years for the Olympic cycles, this time it's five years. Um, and it's done. And it's like you've been waiting for it for ages and that's it. So, yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't know how you do it. I get nervous before park run. I'm like, <laughs> like oh, trying to crack uh, 20 minutes, you know, like, will I do it? And it's like, it's amazing that you um you can perform under that pressure. But I guess you get, I guess that's part of the training, isn't it? You've kind of got used to those that kind of world stage and being able to bring out your best when it when it matters. Yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, I've been fortunate now that I've been running at a high level for quite a few years. So I've had sort of quite a few championships underneath my belt and and got all the experience from that. And um, yeah, certainly a few years ago, I was really, really nervous and like that would um, show my performances, whereas now I'm I'm a lot more experienced and um, yeah, better prepared for for big races like that. Yeah. Does your your brain, I'm always interested, like whenever I've done a race and Rick, you might be the same, but you have snapshots of what's going on but you never have that full sort of, you can't recall the whole thing. Can you like moment for moment, every kick, every move, can you, could you replay it? Or are you very much like your own race at that moment? Yeah, it's, it is a very much sort of, um, yeah, thing at the time. Like I do remember that last sort of couple hundred meters and 
the athlete in front of me I could see she was starting to tire and I was like I gotta go I gotta go and then I was like so so scared that that last hundred meters that somebody oh. was gonna come past me and I was gonna come forth I was like no way so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't look you couldn't even begin to have a look at that oh point. no like no, I didn't no. even look at there's a, usually a big screen in front of you as well and I didn't even look at the screen I was just like I'm getting to that line as fast yeah. as I can so <laughs> um I do remember the last couple hundred years but before that I think I was just so focused on like what I was doing and just kind of in your own little world with that. So yeah, it was. I mean, we'll, I don't want to get into it, but it was a mad race. Everything happened that kind of wasn't gonna happen. Hassan going so early, yeah, <laughs> and sort of like having to judge that. I mean, I want to talk about pacing in a sort of nerdy way, but middle distance running like that. How do you adjust to the circumstance like that? How do you measure the pace in so? to your capabilities versus everyone else's capabilities at that time because that I feel is like the real difference in middle distance between like that and sticking to a pace for a 5k or those sorts of things it's like that switch yeah yeah I I think the 1500 in terms of like how the race can be run is the most sort of unpredictable um and there's definitely the most sort of numbers of ways that it can be run um, and I think just, yeah, having raced at championships for a number of years now, I've been in quite a lot of different situations, which has helped prepare me for all those different race scenarios. Um, and then we've worked on my 800 speed um, a lot this year, as well as sort of my endurance as well. So I think for a 1500 meter runner, you've got to have that endurance and you've got to have that speed as well. It's like a really nice combination of the two. Um, and then you've got to have the tactics as well. So I think it's just such a, I'll be biased because I'm a 15 year runner. But I think it's, <laughs> it's the best a, event. It's yeah, the best event. I think it's like, it's just the event which encompasses like everything. It's got tactics, it's got speed, it's got endurance. So, and it's mm. really exciting and fun to be part of and watch too. So yeah. yeah I think your, your post-race in- interview is like, it's going to go down as like one of the great Tokyo moments, I think, because um, there have been setbacks in your career and there have been disappointments. Um, what advice would you have to anyone who, might be um going through a setback or a poor performance in their own career how did you um rally yourself and and uh and keep going yeah I mean um yeah I've had quite a few ups and downs I think that's just you know at sport it's so brutal and um you know whether that was from not performing as well as I wanted to or whether it was through injury um yeah lots of different things but I think sort of the the thing that's always kept me going is just my my love for the sport and I just love running so much and I think it's so easy to kind of take it for granted when everything's going well um and yes when I've been injured I just had to keep on focusing on like remember what it's like when you're running and it just feels amazing and as much as it you know it was really annoying at the time to be injured not to be able to run or if races weren't going to plan I just had to like yeah trust in myself and trust in my own ability that I know it's there and you know it might take a while to get there or it's frustrating that it's not happened yet but it'll come if I just keep on working at it and just not to give up and yeah just believe in yourself and just you know work away at it and and hopefully one day it'll it'll come yeah the other side of your life being a a, a, being a vet um that must complicate and complement the whole structure of your life and I was just kind of wondering how that balance between the athletics and then the work kind of comes into play with what you do and it is, is it if it's actually structurally something that aids your you know your life and having the two to sort of counter each other or if it's you know something that you should it's actually really hard because <laughs> it sounds really hard yeah well I, I graduated from um university in 2018 uh, yeah with my vet degree and, and since 2018 I've, I've been a full-time athlete 
Um, but whilst I was at university, you know, combining my studies and doing my running, um, yeah, it, it, it was really hard. Like, I wouldn't recommend that you go into veterinary medicine and try and become a professional athlete at the same time. Um, for me, it, it, I was just really lucky that it, it just happened. And it was when I went to university that, um, you know, I met my coach and, and things started, you know, improving really, really quickly. Um, but yeah, it, it was really tough. But I think it just made me appreciate so much, like, um, you know, the hard work that people put in, you know, whether it's their career or their sport. And it taught me a lot about structuring my day like so well and being so productive and just organization. And it taught me so much because yeah, I had to be like, I had to be super organized. I have to, had to be super productive. I had to be super motivated, you know, to go for runs in the morning when I was just absolutely knackered and had yeah. night shifts and, and all sorts. Um, so yeah, it really taught me how to be so focused and determined. Um, you know, I think I was going into veterinary, you know, that anyway, but it just really leveled me up. And I think I learned so many lessons about about myself and um, during that process that I've then adopted once I graduated and, and kept going, um, which is, yeah, see me, you'll get more successful in the sport as well. I think it's an amazing work ethic to be able to, to do those things. Um, have you got any advice for people who might be trying to get the most from from themselves? It might be they've got a busy job and they're trying to, you know, break four for the marathon. But maybe there are some lessons that just for the kind of the the sort of enthusiastic amateur that you could could take away from your example. Um, I think just try a be yeah be as organised as you can. Mm. I think really helps. So um, it might be that. You know, if you've got a long day, you can use, use your runs. You can commute to work with them if that's possible. Yeah. Um, for me, like I always used to bring all my running stuff um, to uni, so that when I when I finished my placement, I could just go straight from placement to my run because I knew if I went home and I'd sit down and then I'd be tired <laughs> yeah. and I'd procrastinate for like an hour, and that's like an oh, hour yeah. wasted. So when you could have done your run, so for me it was just being yeah super organized um you know I batch cook like meals and stuff at the weekend so that I was having like healthy food and not having to get like fast food and stuff yeah. if I was short of time um trying to get as much sleep in as well because that will help in terms of your recovery and that means you know if you're a little bit tired and you're training then hopefully you won't get injured quite so much as well yeah. so I think it's just trying to be yeah it's sort of as prepared as, as possible as you can be um, and it is possible to do as well you know like just because you've got a full-time job does not mean that you can you know yeah. do sport and stuff and, yeah. and actually like doing sport I felt helped me hugely with my product productivity during my degree and my exams and stuff mm. and I think I performed probably arguably better in my exams because of sport and because of running mm. too so they can complement each other really really well yeah I'm interested in the batch cooking Laura what's what's a typical batch cook like from from a nutrition perspective are you like in sort of you know, following the science, or are you kind of into sort of strange ketogenic things? That taste nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty normal. Yeah, yeah, you know, like I batch cook a lasagna or something. Um, just like yeah, print veggies and stuff so that they're easy to to cook sort of really quickly. Um, lots of stir fries and things. Um, chili. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I'm like everything in moderation for me. It's just like yeah, make sure you got your protein in. Make sure your carbs and your and your veggies. Um, yeah, keep it simple. It's so often the case when we talk when Ben and I have talked to you know elite athletes like yourself, we talk about nutrition. It's just like a lot of it is common sense. I think the people following these extreme diets are normally just sort of on Instagram, sort of influencing people, and actually they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, not, really, they're not really doing much running. You know, 
it's it's really funny because it's a question I get asked a lot about yeah. from people. It's like, oh, what's your nutrition like? Because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's really, really strict. Like you're counting your your grams of protein and you've only have to have so many calories a day. But um, yeah, I don't I don't do any of that. Yeah. It's like, you know what, if I'm hungry, I'll eat. If I'm not hungry, I won't eat. Um, you know, just as long as I'm getting that feeling and I'm running well, then I know that I'm giving my body, you know, yeah. what it needs. Yeah. 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 All right, here's one to keep the sponsors happy. <laughs> fruit corner or crunch corner? Oh, I do like a fruit corner. Yeah, Miller's good with their with their yogurts. And I love Miller rice as well. Oh, I love rice pudding. When they brought those out, I was like so happy. Yeah, yeah. there you go. <laughs> How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Um, if we're dishing out advice, I'm going to go in for another one here. Because my mate Andy, I said I'm... I'm is this a real person? Is this like, have you made this, this person This up? is my mate Andy Waterman. Um, he's 41 and he ran a 4.36 at the 1500 metres last night. Right. That was last night. That's his new PB. He's very happy. Do you have any tips for getting under 4.30? Tips for under 4.30. Can he get younger? <laughs> no, he can't. Unfortunately, he can't turn back the wheels of time. That's the only thing. <laughs> um, I think... You could try doing some point like lactic type stuff. Um, so doing like short reps off a, off, off a short recovery, like mm. some high intensity kind of stuff, I think can really help with sort of your, your fitness. And I think as you get older, you maybe lose a little bit more of that speed. So doing a bit of speed stuff, I think could possibly help. Yeah. Were you, were you always an amazing runner, Laura? Was it something that was just like, you know, you, you won school sports day easily and it's just sort of like you're the best at the club or was it? 
did you come to it later or, or was it more of a sort of slow burn thing with you yeah I was I was very much a slow burner like um I think I first joined my athletics club when I was 11 years old um because a friend in my um school went along um but it's because yeah I just enjoyed it in in school and I, I wasn't the fastest in my um primary school I wasn't fastest um yeah, and, and not like necessarily all the, the school races. Um, I don't think I actually won a race of sports day. I can't really remember. <laughs> um, so, but I just really liked it. Yeah. And then when my friend said she was going to athletics club. I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll, I'll join her. And I just sort of did the standard like a couple of days a week with kind of the, the sprints, you know, with the other kids and stuff. Um, and then it gradually evolved from there, like three, four, five times a week, um, sort of gravitated more towards uh, the middle sort of distance group. Um, and then when I went to university, um, aged 18, um, that was when I, I joined my, my new coach, Andy. Um, and that was when, like, yeah, I'd literally only ever just scraped a couple of Scottish vests before. And then within two months, I had my first uh, GB cap. So, yeah, it was it was um, just, I think I just needed something different, that different stimulus. And, um, yeah, it just went nuts from there. Yeah. Can I ask you about running for Scotland and running for um, Team GB? Is there oh. does it feel does it feel <laughs> different? Is is it? Um, you know, I'm sure that both are you know that you do it with great pride in both both of them. But is, does it does it feel different to run for Scotland and to run for Team GB? Yeah, I mean, like it's always it's a huge honour to to put on a national vest, you know, whether yeah. whether it's Scotland or whether it's GB. But it is really special, yeah, to run for Scotland. I think just because like. That's where all my journeys come from. You know, I was yeah, yeah. born in Scotland. Mm. I got brought up in Scotland. Um, I live and train in Scotland. Um, and then, yeah, we don't get very many opportunities to do that um, either. So, yeah, it's really special when you could put on that Scottish vest. Yeah. And I guess you've got the, the Commonwealth coming up, right, next next year. So there'll be an opportunity to, to run for Scotland. Yeah. 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 I feel like I've got a little bit of unfinished business with the Commonwealth because um, I was fortunate to compete in Glasgow 2014. Yeah. Um, but I would want it only have been 21 um and unfortunately i am um, i made it to the final and i was in a really good place and i was hoping to medal but then i tripped and came 11th in the final so i was just oh, i was so gutted um you know being like in literally like my home city yeah. almost um and then i had to miss commonwealth um in 2018 but it was in australia because i had my, my vet degree exams literally like a month later so um yeah i had to miss commies in 2018 so yeah i feel like it's been an eight-year yeah, yeah. gap <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wanted to, yeah, fix that Commonwealth sort of um, record yeah. I have and get get a medal on the on the cards for. for oh, that'd be Scotland. great! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the, what's your training like? I mean, if, did you have you had much of a break since Tokyo? Did you are you sort of one of the? Do you like to have a good month off on after the build up, or do you like to sort of give yourself a little week and then crack on? Um, how's the training going right now? <laughs> Um, I literally only had um, a couple of days off. Yeah, so I had the day off after the final and then we had to travel back pretty quickly. So then I had the day off, like flying home yeah. and then I was back training. Yeah, wow. literally like the third day. Um, yeah, because I, I was hoping to race. So I, I trained for a couple of weeks and I was hoping um, to do a few more races this season. But I think my body was just like not happy. Yeah. It was just too tired. So yeah, I literally just uh, just called it a day, um, a couple of days ago and decided like, right, I think my body's telling me I need to have a break. So, um, but I'm only going to have about a couple of weeks off because 
literally if I don't run for a couple of weeks um, or more than a couple of weeks, um, it, it just can't run because it's just, well, you're used to running yeah. like six days a week, every week, and then suddenly you don't run. It's like, well, your body's like, what's going on? So um, yeah, after a couple of weeks, I think I'll start getting back into some, some easy runs and, and get myself back into it, yeah. Do you find yourself going a bit stir crazy when you can't run? Because every runner, when you get injured, so the average runner or, the, you know, everyone's sort of like when you can't run, it's when you want to run the most. So when you have any, t- yeah. whenever you have any time <laughs> off, you kind of find yourself just sort of pacing the house, wondering why you've got so much energy going on. Is that sort of what? You- yeah. Um, I think when it, when it's my break, I'm okay. Yeah. Like after a couple of weeks, I do get a bit of itchy feet after a couple of weeks. Yeah. But when I'm on my break and especially when it's after like a busy season and stuff and you do feel tired, it's like, yeah, no, I, I know, I know I need this. Uh, I need this now. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, but I do like to keep sort of active, you know, in terms of like going for walks or bike rides and stuff like that. So, yeah. <laughs> what does a, um, cause this is interesting. Cause we had Elliot Giles on about two months ago and, and his training um, so he's an 800 meter runner if anyone listening doesn't know him um, it's amazing he's like he does no long running I think he runs three times a week so he averages about 15 miles and he does a lot of stuff on the elliptigo um, yeah I know obviously 1500 meters probably have to do quite a bit more mileage than that but what is what, what does a sort of typical week look like for you if you could sum it up yeah so um, I probably do between like 50 or 60 miles a week um, so I think it's kind of it's relatively low I think for what right. people expect me to be doing um especially because i can run like three yeah. k's and five k's as well um but i think for us our sort of like motto i guess is sort of quality over quantity um so we'd rather do stuff at sort of a higher intensity and a faster pace and do and sort of do less time on your feet than sort of the opposite but i think yeah the likes of elliot like i know elliot really well and he's had um, some injury issues in the past and it's just working out what works for you and it is amazing because you can find athletes like myself that can do yeah run the times that i'm running off quite low mileage but yeah there'll be other athletes running the same sort of times and they'll be doing higher mileage so it just depends on you and your body and your physiology and what works for you yeah would you you do a long run laura just like like most people on the weekend yeah yeah so we actually go by by time rather than like distance so my long run the the furthest I've ever run is 75 minutes um so and I quite like that sort of thing by going by time because if you're feeling really good then you'll run further and then if you're not feeling so good then you'll run shorter but regardless you can only only be on your feet for 75 minutes it would be it would be horrible to be like I don't know have to run so many miles and you're feeling exhausted and you're like oh it's gonna take forever so i quite like that how, how we do that yeah what is your easy pace it's so funny because when, when like elite <laughs> easy pace you're like oh yeah like just we're going out and it's like six thirty minute miling you know just like jogging or whatever yeah um i usually the majority of my runs are all sub six minute miling yeah oh, me that's too. regardless <laughs> <laughs> same 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 yeah so yeah. okay yeah yeah, yeah. And is that just, is there a philosophy that you think like you, don't, you actually don't want to be doing um, like kind of slower running because it's, it's not useful for what you want to do or is it actually hard for you to go slower than that? I think it's quite hard for me to go yeah. slow. Yeah, like when I'm coming back, obviously from a break, like trying to run sub six minute mile will feel a bit hard to begin with. And then once I get fitter, like mm. it's fine. But sub six is, is quite comfortable for mm. me. But I think as well with my biomechanics, I just run better when I'm running faster. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like my coach is always nagging me when like I'm jogging like for a warm up. He's like, your technique is so awful. And it's like, oh no. And it's just, I'm just better when I'm running, I'm running faster. Yeah. It's yeah, just, because okay. yeah. everything moves so differently. And yeah, that just works. It it's fine that it works for you and that works for me. Yeah, yeah. it's a great, it's a great, 
it's a great thing that we always talk about with marathon training and i mean this is you know i don't know if you have a marathon in you know in you at any point if that's something that you <laughs> but we always talk about the skill of learning to run slowly for those like long long runs because it's so yeah it kind of feels super alien because as you say biomechanically your body feels better when you're going faster so you kind of like ease off and you're like oh, i feel kind of clumpy and a bit kind of like not so great <laughs> yeah so it's uh it's good to know that we're all the same really it's harder to, it's yeah. harder to, it's harder to <laughs> run slower. That's, that's what you've taken from it. I yeah. have. I've yeah. just gone, everyone struggles with slow running. It's fine. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> have you thought about kind of post-track life, Laura? I know, like, obviously, you know, you, it's not as if you were coming to the end of your career at all. Um, but do you think about what you might want to achieve in the running and beyond after maybe the track stuff is, is done? Yeah, I mean, um, it would be quite fun to do a little bit of road stuff. Like I've done road miles before, mm. um, and they're they're good fun. Um, I think I could probably race okay over maybe like a half marathon because that yeah. is kind of like a Sunday long run. Mm. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. So I could probably race okay over that, but I mean, a marathon that's just a completely different ballgame. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'm not racing a marathon. No. Eh, sorry, no, that's <laughs> but I, I'd love to do one like for fun because I feel like yeah. it's such like an iconic event and an iconic distance so i would love to do one like for fun like literally jog like and i would run slow at yeah, that, and yeah. i would feel comfortable at that but i would i would jog yeah. there's no way i'm running a fast yeah. marathon maybe you'd even come down to six minute so but yeah anything longer than a half competitively mm, i don't know about that yeah yeah um yeah. well before we get onto the road let's go back to the track um because you've previously run, run a lot of five thousand meters um and obviously you know the medal was in the 1500s and that's a sort of quite a significant you often get a lot of 1500 800 meters runners and not necessarily 1500 5000 meter what's what sort of different demands in those two distances and sort of how do you would you juggle between the two yeah so um i actually i ran the 5k at the london bar championships in 2017 um and then after that i kind of focused a little bit more on 800 1500 because i think we realized that like in order for my 1500 to be better, I need to improve my speed a little mm. bit. So we've kind of been focusing on eight and 15 since then. Um, but I would really love to kind of, yeah, go back to the, the 5K maybe these next couple of years because I feel like, yeah, it's a little bit of kind of unfinished business with with that event. I think I could run quite a bit faster. And it's, um yeah, I think usually usually running 1500s, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot further. <laughs> um, I think it's just about... Yeah, I've had some good 5Ks and some bad 5Ks. And I think it's just about kind of pacing yourself well. Because, I mean, like an 8 or a 15, if you don't pace it right, at least you've only got a lap or so to go. Mm. But in a 5K, there's a long way to go. <laughs> um, so that can be very nasty. So, yeah, I think it's just like pacing it and not going off too hard and not like fighting for position and like surging, trying to get position. Because at the end of the day, you've got 5K to sort it out. Whereas like in positioning for 8 and 1500s, a bit more like a lot more important because you've not got as much time so i which i think what i panicked about in the 5k before was like oh i have to be in this position i'd like wasted energy doing that when actually like you've got loads of time to sort it out so yeah i think it's just you've got more time to yeah to kind of get your position and and things but at the same time it's you've got to pace it right or it's, it's a long way to go yeah <laughs> do, you, do you think not doing the 5000 meters in tokyo allowed you to compete better at 15 yeah definitely like I think the the timetable didn't really work that great to double over the 5k and 1500 like one of the athletes did do it yeah. um but I think it, it showed that you know she was a bit tired um 
for some of her races. Mm. Um, but I think especially in Tokyo with the conditions, it was like so humid and warm. So with endurance races, so it makes like racing difficult anyway, but yeah. even more so when it's longer endurance races and you've got multiple rounds, like you'd have the heat and the final of the 5K and then you'd have the heat the semi-final and the final of the 1500. Yeah. Um, and it's not like it's... Um, you know, the, the European Championships or anything like that, you know, it's the Olympic Games where it's like the most competitive event you mm. go into. Um, so, yeah, I think for me, I knew the 1500 was my strongest event. And for me to kind of do as well as I could in that event, I wanted to be sort of 100% and, and have those fresh legs. Have you fr- have you framed the medal yet? Just out of interest. <laughs> no, I've not. No, I want to I wanna keep it keep it mobile so I can, um, yeah, handle it. and. That's good, I um, think, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's good. I like that. <laughs> Do you think that there's um, pressure when you build up to a, a major champs or the Olympics to, to double up on events because it's that one opportunity? Or is it more that, you know, actually, I'm just going to race the one? Because we spoke, you know, we, um, you talked to athletes who go, I'm going to do this. And obviously at the Games, we saw people doing more than one event. Is it because it's the one opportunity to do all of that? Or is it just, as you say, it's a scheduling thing sometimes? Yeah, it depends. It does depend a lot on the schedule. Yeah, because sometimes like you might have the final of both events in one night. So it's like, right that's that taken out or heats and semi-finals whatever might overlap um but i think it just kind of depends on sort of the athlete that you are the competition that you're up against if your main event is like first or second um so like for me the 1500 was at the end and that was my best event so it's like had that been at the start i could have got the 1500 done out of the way 100 percent you know, in that event, and then I could have done something else. But because it was the end, it makes it a bit more tricky. Um, and it just depends, yeah, what opportunities you have. Like if you've gone and you've won everything or you've got everything out of your past experiences at championships and want to do something a little bit different and, you know, challenge yourself, um, then, yeah, you could, you could double up into different things. So I think it just depends, yeah, sort of athlete you are, the competition you're up against and at what point in your career, you know, that you're at and, and what you want to achieve and, if doubling up sort of makes you want to achieve something different yeah Laura thanks so much for uh, for your time and coming on the Run As Well podcast absolutely great to talk to you about um, the Olympics and your running and, and uh, slow running at sub uh, six minute mile pace yeah. so thank you very much <laughs> oh, thanks thanks for having me it's been really good so that brings us to the end of this week's Run As Well podcast a big thanks to our guest Laura Muir and to you of course for listening you can subscribe to three issues of Runners World magazine for just £5. Head to hearstmagazines.co.uk slash Podcast to get this exclusive listener offer. You can listen to the Runners World podcast on Acast, iTunes and all of your favourite podcast apps. You know this because you're listening to it, but you should tell all of your friends. Just search Runners World UK and please click subscribe. It makes us very happy indeed. Thanks for listening. See you again next week. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.